0: Okay, can I have your attention? Good evening. Welcome to Calvary Chapel in the city. A couple of announcements. Next week, we're back in the Longwood Hall. Uh, We are back in the Longwood Hall. I don't know that we have any other Sundays scheduled for Fenway this year. Do we, Scott? Okay. I would say we're only about, we've been in the Fenway maybe a half a dozen Sundays a year. And so we appreciate everyone's uh, patience, although some people prefer uh, the this room. It is, uh, it's cozier in here. Uh, this Friday, uh, Outreach to Boston Rescue Mission, that is for men and women. Meet at uh, Greg's at 5.30 or go directly there. If you need directions, uh, uh, ask uh, Greg. Then there's the Potter's Field Ministry. That's a wonderful uh, ministry um, uh, where... The uh, Mike and Pam Roselle uh, get up on stage and Pam sings and and Mike takes that big lump of clay just like we are in the hands of the Lord and is molded just right there in front of everyone. Uh, That's Wednesday, September 27th at uh, 7 uh, p.m. and then also the next week as well. And so uh, in addition to that, Saturday, September 30th, Annual apple picking trip. Is there a is there a rain date for that? No, there's not a rain date. Okay, uh, so start praying for sun. Start start praying for sun. Uh, and and as well, uh, the women, the Calvary Chapel Boston Women's Retreat is going to be November 10th through uh, the 12th. You can be, begin signing up for that. Uh, we don't pass a plate here at Calvary Chapel, uh, but we do have an offering box in the back if you need a parking token. Remember, we have free parking. There will be free tokens uh, over on the side. Okay, going through the Old Testament, uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, we are in the uh, book of 1 Samuel, chapter 11. No, I take that back. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. 2 Samuel Chapter 11. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, Your Word, Lord, it is just so refreshing, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that tonight, God, we would just have uh, sober and open hearts to what the Holy Spirit is going to tell us this evening, Lord. David and Bathsheba. We thank you so much for including uh, this in in your word, Lord God. This this event, this series of events, Lord. Oh, how different it would be, Lord God, if you kept out of the Bible just all the failures of, of the heroes in the Bible, Lord God. We would feel like... We would feel so hopeless, but lord we they 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 had so many failures and and yet they had uh, they reached the heights as well, and that 's just an encouragement to us, Lord. Uh, we just pray this evening that you would just teach us uh, teach us, Lord, about how to deal with temptation, Lord, teach us, Lord uh, how to Just help our brothers and sisters around us uh, deal with temptation. Lord, I just pray that you will teach us, Lord, how to not be the problem, but rather the solution uh, in this area, in different people's lives, Lord. We thank you for hiding nothing, Lord God, uh, from us that we need for our edification. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. Bible anyone? We have one over there. So first, 4 five, I'm just going to read the first uh, four verses of 2 Samuel chapter 11. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was uh, cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And so I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what are the different ways that we know that the Bible is truly the word of God? Uh, there's a number of different ways, but one of them certainly is that uh, God uh, has not hidden uh, from the life of the heroes in the Bible, uh, any of their weaknesses, any of their failures, and uh, when you know when men writes about themselves, and it, it, if you look at these kind of similar kinds of histories uh, of other peoples, uh, you will notice, particularly when they're writing three thousand years ago, that. Man, there was nothing but, I mean, you would uh, read about these people and and you would think uh, they're like gods or something. Uh, I think of uh, the story about Sennacherib, who was that general who, with the Assyrian army, came up to uh, Jerusalem. And remember, King Hezekiah was the king at the time. And uh, that was when King has uh, Assyria was, just had wiped out the northern kingdom, completely wiped out the northern ten tribes, just trampled them out. And and in fact, they've never really uh, recovered. <laughs> and and so uh, the, he marches on to Jerusalem, was going to take it. Hezekiah bows down uh, before the Lord. They all there's a prayer, there's fasting in the city. And uh, in one night, the angel of the Lord came and killed 185,000 Assyrians. And they actually have uh, the, uh, Sennacherib's own record of what happened that day. And it's in the Br- British Museum. It's a very well-preserved, uh, uh, it's a tablet, really, uh, and it's a history of what happened. And in it, there's just one boasting after another of Sennacherib, this this general. And when he gets to the part about Jerusalem, he said, I went to Jerusalem, and I um, had Jerusalem as uh, as a caged bird. I surrounded it as a caged bird. And so the picture was this f- terrified bird. That leaves out completely uh, the fact that 185,000 of his soldiers were killed and the rest of them f- went back to uh, Assyria like dogs with their, uh, you know, tails between their legs. And so uh, that's how the world, though, writes about itself. Uh, the Bible uh, just does no such thing. It, 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 it just, for our benefit, uh, includes uh, heroes' warts and all, and certainly we've seen that from uh, the life of David. Now, uh, some people uh, read about this account of David and Bathsheba, and... And, and they're thinking, oh, yeah, this is for all those, you know, those young folks, those young single or, or young married uh, folks. And they think like David's Peter Pan here or something, this young sprite guy and, and, and this type of thing. Well, actually, uh, David was 50 years old at this time. The guy was an old man for that time. The average life of a king was 40 years old. And, and 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 so this is for everyone. And I have heard uh, Christians before, you know, say things, particularly in the area of uh, sexual lust and immorality and temptation. Oh, you know, the younger guys uh, or the younger girls—that's a problem for them. It's not uh, not with me. That's nonsense. And so uh, David was not only old in years. This is a spiritually mature man. Uh, many, if not most, of the psalms were already written and and the psalms just so rich, uh, just so rich a, a, a person who obviously intimately knew God. Uh, uh, David, someone who knew about being revived by the fire of God. So David, a man who uh, knew about faith and trusting in the Lord. He's a giant killer. He's a man who, uh, his priorities were right. I mean, uh, after the Ark of the Covenant was basically in hiding for 40 years, he brings it to the center of Jerusalem and makes worship of Jehovah the center of public life in Jerusalem. He set up worship in the temple so that it was 24-7. I mean, this is a mature Christian believer. Still, sin came in and took him out. It took him out. And and so, uh, uh, you know, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, I read a story like this and I read about, you know, different preachers uh, falling into sexual temptation and things like that. Guess what? Guess what I'm thinking? That could be me. It could be me. And and we need to really uh, uh, we need to look at this, and we need to really ask the Lord God humble our hearts. Let us learn from this, Lord. And and you know the the amazing thing about this is is in, in on the one side it's it's encouraging that. Someone who had such a major failure in his life. Of course, this isn't the only one, as we've seen. I mean, David did a number of other things which were, were ghastly. Uh, but um, on the one side, it's encouraging that someone with failures can be used so greatly of God. But on the other side, you still have, to this day, uh, people who are enemies of God using this uh, and, and you know, to try to uh, bring sort of... Uh, disrepute uh, to the church, and you still have the same story. I don't know how many times some some guy or woman, they're, they're just in sin, and they're like, oh, well, look at David. He did it too. You know. So this was a tremendous failure in his life. And God forbid that our lives are used for people uh, as an excuse to go down into the muck and the mire. But let me tell you, it'll happen, uh, particularly uh, you know, after you have children and this type of thing, you know, that your children will fall you right uh, into it and use your life uh, as an excuse. And so I want to talk about how does the sin get in here, how, is it, uh, uh, how are we impacted by it, and, and how do we get it out. I mainly tonight want to talk about you know, how does the sin get in. It says here uh, in uh, verse 1, it says it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. It says that David sent Joab out, and then the end of the verse it says, but David remained at Jerusalem. Uh, We know from the last chapter that uh, they had just battled the Ammonites, uh, but they still had some cleaning up to do. And uh, here... There's no doubt in my mind he may have been 50 years old, uh, but he uh, should have been there with them out into battle. And so what's going on here is uh, it says that it was the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. David had secured the borders of the kingdom, uh, but every, uh, every year they would encroach, you know, some. And, and so every year they would go out to spring, uh, every year in spring they'd go out to push them out and, and guess what that's just that's sort of like a, a side note here that's a type of sin because that's the exact same thing that that sin does you know we sort of secure our our, our walk with God and, and let me tell you. It won't take but a, a few weeks for that sin to start encroaching again. That's why it's so important every day uh, to be in our devotion times, every day uh, to be in fellowship. Uh, the, uh, Hebrews 3.13 says, As long as it is called today, encourage one another. In other words, every day we should be around Christians uh, being encouraged, on the phone, email, whatever it is. Uh, and so, uh, every spring, they had to go out and push that those enemy th- those enemies uh, back and so uh, uh, David though here he stays in jerusalem he 's thinking i 've fought my battles i 've had my victories I got uh, uh, more important things to do and, and you know others can do it for me. but the thing is, this left David vulnerable because guess what idle hands are what. The devil's workshop. And, and guess what else? Idle minds are the devil's canvas. There's nothing worse than idle, an idle mind. One of the biggest problems with doing nothing is what happens with our mind. And just all, all the 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 gunk and the muck that starts happening in our mind, and we start fantasizing about this and that, and, and 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 you know, Satan loves to get us to the place where we're isolated. And I talk to people sometimes, and they say, you know, I'm just I I I'm just an independent guy. I, I it's just you know I, I'm alone. I don't like being around people. Well, you know, that's just where. Uh, Satan wants you when you're idle, when you're lonely, when you're isolated. You're a pushover to him. And, 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 and so I've talked about this many times before. God had called David to be a warrior. And more than that, God has called every single person who is a Christian, who has given their life to Christ, God has called them into battle. God's called you into battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And every single day, every single day, we need to be fighting. And and if we think that, well, you know, I'm going to stay on the sidelines and, and, you know, those guys at church, they're doing a real good job doing God's work. We're doing the same thing that David did. We're staying back and we're remaining and our hands are getting idle and and, and our minds are getting idle and... And, and, you know, we should never be at that point where we're relying on anyone else. Our, our, our pastor, you know, our wives, our husbands, our friends, you know, James Hopper, anyone. You don't rely on uh, other people. So uh, anyway, James, is, is James here? He's up uh, teaching the kids. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, I, the, the thing is, when I, I get really uh, scared when I hear people say, you know, I put in my time. Men and women, we were made to be in battle With the Lord, I'm not talking, of course, about swords and guns. Um, I'm talking about being right there on the front line with Jesus. And what happened? He withdrew. He withdrew from the battle. It says he remained at Jerusalem. He was 50 years old. Doesn't mean he had to literally have a spear and be on the front line. But he needed to uh, be there uh, with his. Uh, troops. And so we need to be in battle. The very forces of hell are trying to get me off track there. Uh, and there's no substitute for just for time on the front line and in, in the word in prayer and fellowship and ministry. And we need to be uh, f- uh, f- spiritually fit. And now I just want to ask a few uh, probing questions. You know, if you're not reading your Bible, uh, what are you doing? Are you sort of, what are you doing with your time if you're not reading your Bible? If you're not involved in serving God, what are you doing? If you're not listening to worship music, what kind of mu- mu- music are you listening to? If you're not praying and studying the Bible with other people, uh, you know, w- uh, home fellowships, po- uh, you know, women's group, men's group, whatever, church, what are you doing with your time? Uh, and and, and so I'm not trying to smack anyone upside the head. I'm teaching about David. We're, we see in real life what happens when people don't prioritize their time correctly. And so David uh, opened the door to temptation uh, by forsaking the battle. He he let someone else, you know, Joab and, and the guys, they can handle it. Uh, they can handle it. What did it do? It opened him up to temptation. It says in verse 2, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. The woman was very beautiful to behold. So David here, what does he do? He takes a second look. Now, when the Bible says a woman is very beautiful, guess what the translation is? She was a bombshell. Okay, <laughs> this woman was a bombshell, and 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 David, uh, it says he beheld her. It was that gaze, and, and we'll get into this more later. Temptation itself is not sin; it's embracing the temptation that is sin. And, and so uh, he's not in battle. He's out probably taking a nap or something. And, and uh, you know, uh, uh, he lives uh, over the, the, the city of David. He lives in the city of David, which was over all Jerusalem. So he had like a perfect view. And, uh, and, and again, he sees this woman. She's very beautiful uh, to behold. He has two choices. He can see it and turn away or he can see it and behold it to dwell on it. Uh, James 1.14 says this, very familiar verse, maybe to many of you, each one is tempted when? When he's drawn away or when she's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That word entice, uh, it's the same word that is used to f- for like a baited hook or bu- like a lure. Now, if you've ever done any fisher- fishing, you know what that means. You get that hook and you get that bait and, and you, you, know, you put it on nice and secure-like. And, and that's what this means, that word entice. It's like a baited hook. And that's what temptation is like. It's like a baited hook. And so uh, Satan knows David's weak point. This guy had been accumulating wives and concubines. By this time, he had seven wives and 200 concubines. Let me tell you, this was a weakness for this man. And, and, and Satan knows all about it, you know, and he knows um, all about your weak points. He knows them. Uh, and, and let me tell you, if we don't know what our weak points are, we need to find out what, what they are. You know, there's, there's certain things that uh, don't, you know, may not tempt us. Uh, Leviticus chapter 11 says, uh, pelicans, vultures, and bats, they're an abomination to you. I have no problem with scantily clad pelicans. I, I, I'm not like going after them, right? I, I'm not, I don't want to eat a vulture. I don't want to eat a bat. And, uh, but there's, there's certain things, however, it, it, you know, Satan dangles in front of me. That will cause my head to spin. You know, and, and so it's important to order la- our lives in such a way that I don't have this stuff in front of me, uh, you know, constantly. And, and, and so we need to order our life, and, and we need to seek the Lord and understand and not fool ourselves. Uh, I'm amazed by people who uh, have sort of fallen into the same thing over and over, and they still, they still don't really seem to realize that there's just certain things that they can't handle. And so we just need to be honest with ourselves and, 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 and understand that. And, and so, uh, again, uh, remember, temptation itself is not sin. I, I, again, what does James 1.14 say? Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed, meaning that, desi- d- that decision to dwell on or to be enticed or to embrace. I heard a great illustration. Think of temptation as... Uh, Think of temptation as a fist, right? As a fist. Uh, think of your will as an open hand, okay? And temptation, guess what happens all day? This is what happens. This is not sin. <laughs> this is not sin. Guess what's sin? This is sin. It's when you embrace by your will, you embrace the temptation. And so uh, the Uh, The second look is what starts the embracing uh, process. And David goes uh, after uh, the bait. It says, she was beautiful to behold. Now, before I lived in the city, right in the middle of the city, I never really thought a whole lot about Bathsheba's part in this whole thing. But anyone who has lived in the city knows Bathsheba does not have clean hands here. I mean you don't go out on the roof in the city and, and bathe and think that people are not going to be looking at you or you don't get in front of a window. And, and, and so, you know, the Bible, it is true, does not specifically say uh, that, that um, she was guilty here, but, you know, let's be honest with ourselves, you know. She had a head on her shoulders. She, she, we could find out later she's capable of conversations and stuff. And uh, she knew that she's on a roof and that over her roof there's uh, at least David's place, if not many others. There's people who could, uh, who, who could see what she was doing. And so at a very minimum, she was being highly what you would call negligent at worst, she was deliberately trying to entice. And so women, uh, uh, let, me, uh, let me just uh, say this. You know, Be careful that you are not dressing or behaving in such a way that is causing men to sin. Be careful that you are not using, being used as bait. Be careful. That you're not walking around like a hook with, you know, a little piece of minnow on it, you know, flapping around. And you know, men going, blah, 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 after you. You know, be careful how how you are doing that. You know, at Calvary Chapel, uh, we want to accept people just the way they are. And there's a lot of freedom, you know, on how people dress. And and, and sometimes, you know, uh, someone who's not a believer, a, a woman or a guy who's not a believer, they'll walk into the church and, you know, they're... they're they're not dressed modestly, and and that's just part of uh, you know the ministry, and 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 you know that that's something that's okay. I remember one time at our church in Miami Beach, there was this woman who, um, uh, actually Brian Vanderkooter in Peru. I had just left the church. He told me this that this brand this woman who was brand new to the church, and they for some one reason one uh, Sunday morning Robert who was going to be here. By the way, next Sunday night he's going to be teaching. Next Sunday night uh, he was. Uh, uh, saying, does anyone need a Bible? And no one stood up to give out the Bible. So this brand-new woman had a tube top and, and two little rings on her belly button was going down the center of the aisle, handing out the Bibles. You know? I think that's great. I, I, I really do. But, um, you know, you, you, you need to understand that we are weak. <laughs> men, we men are weak. And, and our hearts are deceitful. And we think about things that we shouldn't think of And so, for our sakes, uh, dress appropriately. You know, you know when you're when you're uh, in church or really any any, uh, anywhere. And and so, you need to ask yourself, what do I do with that? That you may be asking yourself at this point. Well, you know, what do I do with that dress that's too tight, or that mini skirt, or that uh, shirt that shows my cleavage? Throw it out. Just get rid of it, you know. It, it's really simple. Do the same things that you know we did with our CDs and tapes, you know, uh, uh, which are you know really bad, you know, when we got saved, you know, fl- flush them down the toilet or no, don't do that with shirts, you'll clog it up. Uh, you know, uh, you put it in the fireplace, whatever. Uh, but anyway, and, and and but then I just want to talk to the guys now. And, and this, I really, really mean this, guys. Doesn't matter what uh, a woman is wearing around here, or anywhere. You don't have to look. You don't have to. You know, take it from experience. Uh, you know, you don't have to. You can train your eyes. I know this, and if you don't understand what I'm talking about, I'll, I, you can talk with me after the service. You can train your eyes to look beyond, around, and, and you know, not to be diverted uh, by By someone, you know I, G- G- Scott told me a story years ago uh, that uh, this' is sort of off the subject a little, but uh, you know, another thing that we have to understand guys is there 's people looking at us. Scott told me the story when he was sitting in this, uh, a, a subway uh, and one day and, and later on in the day someone came up to him, or maybe it was a few weeks later, and he goes, "You know I was looking at you in the subway, and this total Foxy babe went and walked right in front of you, and you were like, you know, as she walked by, you know, Scott's just looking forward. And, and, and so that was just such a great witness. Uh, that was just such a great witness, too. And so, you know, that's a whole other thing. But guys, uh, Job said this, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon uh, a young maid? And David said, I will set nothing wicked before uh, my eyes. Obviously, he didn't take his own advice, but uh, that is the word of God, and, and we can train our eyes here. And so, uh, let's get into David's real problem, though. He, he had accumulated wives and concubines. Seven wives and... Uh, 200 uh, concubines. And and let me tell you this, if he uh, can't be satisfied with one wife, I don't care what the tradition was at this time, it was never looked upon favorably with God, more than one wife. Uh, he, he made Adam and he made Eve. And this multiple wife thing started uh, much later. And, and, and if he can't be satisfied with the one wife that God gave him, listen, no amount of wives and concubines would ever satisfy him. He would always be living for that next experience. And guess who Bathsheba was? Bathsheba was that next experience. One of the most foolish things uh, that I hear from time to time, you know, about guys or whatever, you know, oh, we've, you know, before he gets married, let him go out and sow his oats. You know, that's pure foolishness. That is th- just a lie from hell. Because what, you go out and sow your oats, guess what? You get married. You're going to go, wait, wait, I'm used to sowing oats things. I want another experience. Stupidest, most foolish. Uh, thing worldly mentality, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I pray every night, and, and Stephanie and I pray on a regular basis that, um, you know, my son and, and my daughters will go right into uh, marriage, and, and and the only uh, woman that Sam will ever know, I, I say that in the Genesis chapter, uh, chapter was it chapter two sense, is that uh, the woman he marries, and the same thing with my girl's uh... and and their husbands and so because that's what protects the marriage more than anything is purity before marriage of course there is grace uh... when that hasn't happened and thank god there is because of the society that we're living in uh... as just like the church in corinth where paul points out to the corinthians that many of them had done a lot of stuff uh, prior to coming to the lord there's grace and there's restoration but uh... the best thing to do to protect a marriage is purity and uh, before marriage. And so um, uh, here uh, I want to go into verse 3. It said So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, let me tell you something. This is what I want to talk about. This is a great verse. I never noticed this, but um, um, the, the, the road to sin is marked by many stop signs, warning signs, and off ramps. I got that one from Ricky Ryan. The road to sin is marked by many stop signs, warning signs, and off ramps. And, and the Holy Spirit is faithful to warn us about these things. When someone comes up to me and says, Oh, you know, I fell into this horrible thing. I, I didn't see it coming. Nonsense. That is absolute nonsense. And it's always the case that God shows us. And so what are uh, David's warning signs? He got some pretty clear ones here. Uh, this is amazing uh, when you see it. Verse 3, it says, Someone said... Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittites? Three things here. One, Eliam may not seem like a name that many of us recognize, but actually that was the son of Ahithophel, who was David's closest advisor. In other words, Holy Spirit's telling him, You don't mess with this woman. She is the granddaughter of your closest advisor. He was like the chief of staff. Ahithophel, you know, bing, 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 you know, warning sign. He blows right through it. Then it says, he, uh, she is the wife, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, she's married, David. You know, give this up right now. She is married. You can't just have her as another concubine. She's married. He just goes right through that one. And it says, uh, she's the who's the, she the wife of? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. As we'll see later uh, in the coming weeks, Uriah, a man of tremendous honor. I mean, Vikai is just an awesome example of, of someone who is just a courageous, righteous uh, uh, man in, in, in so many ways. And he's one of David's mighty men. You know this is you know this is uh, this is like David uh, sleeping with one of his sheep's wives, and, and and so just all these warning signs, boom, boom, boom. He goes just right through them. Which, by the way, never blame uh, your sin on. Oh, I didn't see it coming. God's always faithful to warn you, and so David could have uh, departed right then i um uh, uh, heard about this illustration too that temptation is like sitting in front of a Pepsi machine. you know it used to be when when you know I was in my uh you know twenties many many years ago decades ago <laughs> that um uh, that uh uh, a Pepsi or Coke machine, it was all quarters. They didn't have this dollar bill stuff, and it was like, took four quarters, you know, and, and it's been said that temptation is like standing in front of a Pepsi machine. It takes four quarters. Uh, you buy into it one quarter at a time, and that is just so uh, true. You don't just jump into sin. It's like, one quarter you get close second quarter you get closer and and, and third quarter, and then finally it 's the fourth and and that 's when the the thing just starts coming down the chute. What was david 's first quarter well well he he looked he saw Bathsheba uh, on the terrace on the roof, and his first quarter that he put down uh, was uh, his look turned into a gaze and so if men or women if if you know Something comes into your email, a link to a porn site or whatever. Uh, the first quarter is, well, I'm not going to go into it, but I'll go and see, like, what the site looks like or whatever. You know, that's 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 the first quarter. You gaze, gaze upon it. He gazed upon her. Second was, uh, the second quarter was his in- inquiry. Who is she? So he he'd beheld her and then, He could have forgot about it right then. There's a lever that says you get your money back, right? If you wanted to, like, stop in the middle, put a quarter in, uh, I I really got to get out of the situation, you know, and and take the quarter. He could have done that, but no. He said, well, who is is this woman? Well, he shouldn't have even been asking that. That's the second quarter. Third quarter, bring her to me. Bring her to me. Me, it says. Verse 4, Then David sent messengers and, and, and took her, and then she, she came to him. And so there's that third quarter. And, and here uh, it's important to understand that he still could have left at this point. He still could have pulled that lever. He uh, still could have said, Wow, you know, this, <laughs> this is the granddaughter of Ahithophel. Uh, It's a married woman, and she's married to one of my mighty men. It wasn't too late. Now, I don't ever recommend doing the three-quarter thing. And, and you know, with the quarters, you know, it, it, I like the illustration because so much you put that one quarter, and, and and you know, you sort of arrange your life in such a way that maybe you'll you'll see this this guy. Maybe he's an unbeliever. You know full well you're not even supposed to have anything to do with them. And but hey, you know, I'll take my uh, my coffee break just at the time I know he's going to be down there. You know, and, and you know you're not supposed to be doing that. There's that second quarter, and then you know the. The first quarter, and then the second quarter is maybe a strike up a conversation. And the third quarter is, you know, accepting it, uh, you know, to go out with them. And, and so, but there's still, still a possibility. Even when you're sitting with that guy, he's an unbeliever, you're not supposed to be with him, you're out on a date with him, there's still that possibility to take that coin lever and after that first date say, you know, this is wrong, I should never do this again. The fourth quarter, what was it? He took her. It says He took her and lay with her. And guess what? At that time, that Pepsi uh, is coming right down the chute, and you can't stop it at, at that point. That, that is, you can't stop, and, and death is going to come at that point. Uh, James 1.14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And boy, did this sin bring forth death. And, and you know we will see that. And so, uh, let me let me just close with this. I said the same thing this morning. If you are alive, if you are breathing, you are going to be tempted, and you need to just recognize temptation with for what it is. It's that word entice. There's that's that hook with the bait on there, and. You just gotta pull that. You, you actually don't even pull the lever. Don't even put that first quarter in. You just gotta swim off and do something else. And and and, and, and so and, and don't start putting in the quarters. And 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 don't put yourself even really in a position in the first place. I mean, David shouldn't if he's knowing women are bathing on the roofs around him. Shouldn't even be looking up there. I can relate to that. There are, are windows at night all over my neighborhood that I just, you know, uh, with God's grace, I just try never to even look up. I have to walk up like a monk, you know, up my home because I don't want to be looking up there, uh, you know, at these open windows. He never should have been looking at this rooftop. Never should have been looking at it. And, and so need to order our life in such a way that um, we're not uh, allowing that temptation to be dangled in front of us um, all the time. Okay, I'm going to close there. Actually, let's pray. Father, uh, I just want to pray, Lord, for every single person in here, Lord. God, that you would help us order our life. God, I just pray for every man and woman, Lord, in here that you would uh, just make us cognizant, Lord, of what are those things, Lord, that are weaknesses. And, Lord, then just to order our life in such a way that it's just pleasing to you, that we're not distracted by temptation, that we're, uh, we're going about your business, Lord. Help us order our life in such a way that we're in the battle, Lord, uh, not only uh, physically but in our mind, Lord, you know, there's not going to be time to be uh, tempted if we're fully engaged. And I just pray for every person in here, Lord, that they would be fully engaged in whatever you've called them to do, Lord. And I just pray if they're in that place where there's too much idle time, Lord, in their life, where there's just uncertainty about what they're supposed to be doing, God, I just pray that you'd give them that wisdom. We thank you, Lord, that your word says if. If uh, we pray to you and we don't have a double mind, Lord, you'll give us that wisdom. I pray that you give them that wisdom uh, this evening. God, God, we love you. And we need you, Lord, because we're weak. And we thank you that, Lord God, you promise uh, power. Lord, your word says the kingdom of God is not a matter of words. It's a matter of power. We thank you for that. We need that power. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, uh, we, for those of you who would like, in 10 minutes, we are going to be returning, uh, we're going to be sort of gathering here to pray. If you'd like to do that, please do. If you uh, would like to go home and get your beauty sleep, God bless you. Uh, Goodbye, and uh, you are dismissed. God bless you.